Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to a very special edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick, and we have a JMU NCAA tournament game this weekend. Have you busted out your dancing shoes yet? Because the Dukes are going dancing. Hell yeah, man. I busted them out, dusted them off. They're ready to go. I'm ready to dance. Yeah, I've been writing that pun for the last two weeks, and I'm just really glad that the uh, women's team punched their ticket so we could use it. That was that was two weeks in the making, folks. Huge. Huge for you. It's it's insane twofold. It's insane that, one, it took this long into the Coach O era for the women's yeah. team to make it into the NCAA tournament. I know COVID, the COVID year, you always bring it up. Uh, that that year was a prime year for them to go on a run in the NCAA tournament, but we didn't get to experience it. They didn't even officially punch their ticket from winning the CAA tournament, although they probably would have demolished. Uh, but this team looked just as dominant in that win over Texas State in the Sun Belt Championship, 30-piecing them. I know we talked about it last podcast, but just insane that we're here now, what, year seven into the Coach O era, and we finally have an NCAA tournament appearance to talk about, and it just so happens that they'll be taking on the Buckeyes. But before we get into all of that, we, of course, have some housekeeping things to take care of. Shout out to Three Notched. We love Three Notched. We love their beer. We love that they support us. We love yep. everything about them. Uh-huh. And I'm excited to go back. I don't know when I'll be back, I was but I know say, I am yeah. excited to go back because we don't get there enough. I think that's the one thing I really miss about living in Virginia, especially Charlottesville, is having access to that much good beer all the time. No offense to the, the D.C., Maryland <laughs> beer scene, but uh, it, it leaves something to be desired. But Three Notched, we love them. We sign up for yeah. the Fresh Beer Club. Yeah. I will say living in Charlotte, it is pretty nice because I have like five breweries within walking distance of my apartment. Um, but I do miss Three Notched at times because, man, yeah, the king of clouds, the emperor of clouds is all delicious. Uh, and there's just something cozy about the Valley Collab House. It might be the fact that uh, I bought one of my first ever legal alcoholic drinks there. Uh, but for sure, uh, whenever we're in Harrisonburg, try to go there. I'm currently in Richmond, so we'll Try and head over to the Three Notch location they just opened here in Richmond uh, to celebrate March Madness. And to celebrate March Madness, you got Bet Online. It remains your number one source for all of your college basketball betting needs this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchup info, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds from everything. For, I'm messing up this ad read terribly. Updated odds for everything from live games to the Final Four and Championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to sign up. And when you sign up and make your first deposit, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That's a 50% bonus, so if you deposit $100, you'll get $50 in free bets on your first deposit. You just have to use promo code BELIEVE, promo code B-L-E-A-V at sign up to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, that's where the game starts, folks. 
Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. And the game is starting. I forget which region they're technically in, where the game is occurring, but the game is starting against Ohio State. Yeah, so the regions don't make sense to me. They have like double Final Four regions where I guess two of the regions are like Greenville, South Carolina, and two of them are Seattle, which I think is for ticketing purposes to try to get as many fan bases like in the same location as possible. But the game's in in Columbus, so they've got the first game because they do the campus right. sites. They're playing at Ohio State, which will be a, a fairly significant challenge. If they make a deep run, JMU, which is highly unexpected, <laughs> then I guess we'll figure out. I think they would be in Seattle, not in Greenville. If they may. <laughs> that would be such a po- – if they went on a run – and we are both on the Eastern seaboard and would love to go to that game. And then they're just like in Seattle. That would be the biggest bummer. Yeah, it really would. <laughs> they're sweet 16 bound or whatever. And they're, they're playing on the West coast. That would be, uh, that would be something, but I will say this is a really hard matchup. I know we had talked about maybe if they could get a 12 or a 13 seed it did not happen. They're a 14 seed. This brings us to a, a listener question from Tim Emery, who asks us to do a deep dive on the metrics of the 13 seeds to see uh, how they stack up. If they got disrespected with the seeding, kind of hard to do a deep dive because I didn't want to pay like a gazillion dollars for some of the advanced analytic sites. <laughs> but looking at like net ranking, that I think three of the four 13 seeds had a better net than JMU. One of them had kind of an outlandish one where I forget exactly who the 13 was. I'll have to look it up, but it uh, didn't make a ton of sense. Maybe that they were a 13. It's whoever Tennessee plays. Um, which is, drumroll please, St. Louis. I think St. Louis's metrics are, are not great. For but the they A-10 play in there. the A-10. Yeah, so I guess maybe they have some strength of schedule stuff that's, that's lifting them up or more yeah. quality wins. I don't know exactly. Uh, but they were, I don't think they were snubbed, to be honest with you. Like, they didn't dominate the Sun Belt, right? I, I think the te- – go ahead. No, I was going to say exactly that. I think we – we are overlooking that they lost five Sun Belt games yeah. and a game to Maine. And I know that's been kind of like the joke of the season. Like, oh, if you just didn't lose that game to Maine, look how much better they are than they were in that game. But like they did lose that game to Maine mm-hmm. and they finished the season with seven losses with kind of a bad strength of schedule. And their Sun Belt losses weren't to like Troy and Texas State. It was to Coastal and right. Marshall and um, a few other bottom feeders that like left you Georgia state, I think, which was finished the year with like four or five conference wins in total. So they weren't good sunbelt losses. Uh, so that pulled down their net quite a lot. And I know they finished the season strong, rattling off three amazing wins in the sunbelt tournament and look really good. But there was that weird something in the water stretch and they did lose to Maine to start the season that uh, gave them this 14 seed. It's also, unless I'm missing something on, on the NCAA website, moderately embarrassing that the NCAA breaks into a quad system and does not list that for the women, which is just like, what do you, why do you have a net? But anyway, like the, the webpage on that, you can find like breakdowns of the men's team very easily, like detailed team charts that you can not for the women that seems like they should just like do that. But it's been kind of a thing for women's right. The last few years when we've been yeah. like into, especially just being into Jamie women's basketball so much, like you have her hoop stats, but that is quite literally four times more expensive than Ken Palm. And that's the only like good advanced analytics site you can get. And it's not even user friendly. Like what her hoop does is great, but mm-hmm. you need like an advanced degree to know how to use her hoop stats. And that's like the only website 
But then you can get so much, like, really great information on the men's game just at, like, NCAA.com. Right. That you just can't get for the women's, like quads. And it is – they're making improvements. Um, they've made drastic improvements the last few years in just the NCAA women's tournament as a whole. But there's still a lot of work to be done, and this isn't supposed to be like a soapbox on like propping up women's basketball, but I think it is worth mentioning here at the top of the podcast. Even with like bracketology, ESPN is the only one that puts it into a bracket. CBS did one, and it was written in like text format. Like these are the one seeds. These are. I'm like, do me the like put it in a bracket, <laughs> make it look good. Jesus. So that was <laughs> that was annoying, but it's kind of hard to know exactly like what Jamie's resume is. But it's probably worth noting that, like, their non-conference, it's not like they were doing incredible stuff, like, even from margins. So, like, they look at efficiency metrics for the men. If they do that in the women's game, like, four-point win over Liberty, two-point win over VCU. I think they trailed Maryland Eastern Shore at halftime. They did, like, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's some of these where, like, early in the year, they have wins that now we look at them and we just look at them like a win where when those were happening, like I would say that JMU was not particularly impressive until like the end of December. I would agree with that. And, and then even had... then, then they even had that something in the water stretch in mid January. <laughs> right. So right. like so it... th- this wasn't a dominant season by any means no. for JMU. This was a, no, a I... down year in the CAA for them. Like if they had lost five games in the CAA, we would be mad. Right, we've had, they've had some teams that have entered the NCAA tournament like monster programs, and, and this isn't quite that. I think, with that being said, like winning the competitive Sun Belt and getting into the NCAA tournament is a massive success. But I saw some people, fans, after the Texas State game, being like, "Oh, like I don't think Ohio State wants to see us," and I don't I don't agree with that take. <laughs> I would, I would agree with that as well. This is a Ohio State team that peaked at number two in the rankings. Um, over their last five games, their lone losses have been to Iowa and Maryland, two good programs. Um, Iowa, maybe the national player of the year in Caitlin Clark. Um, so you kind of like, and they still hung with them. I think over their last 10, they may have lost three games. Two of those were to Iowa. Um like Ohio State's a very, very good program. At one point, the longest winning streak in the nation, I think, or tied for the they longest started winning streak. Nineteen and zero. Like Ohio State is a damn good program, and I don't think they cared who the fourteen seed was going to be. They are focused on destroying them. JMU probably got one of the toughest three seeds, if you ask me. Ohio State in the Big Ten semifinals trailed Indiana, which is a one seed at halftime by 20, and won the game. Like, <laughs> they're like a dark horse Final Four contender. They're loaded. One of their best players missed, like, most of the season when they were starting 19-0. They have her back, and they're sort of, like, working her back into the rotation and sort of gel as a team here. So they're loaded. Like, the Big Ten's really good. They're a really good team. This is an incredibly challenging game. In one that I, you know, I mean, I don't think the lines have come out on some of these sports books that I would expect to have some first round stuff here soon. But you look at, you know, I could see them being like a 20 point underdog. And I don't think that's like rude. I think that just speaks to like how good Ohio State is. Just to put this into perspective a little bit, we've talked about like the something in the water stretch for JMU and they lost mm-hmm. to Coastal and 
they lost to Marshall. Not Marshall wasn't into something in the water, but like Georgia State teams yeah. you shouldn't be losing to. Ohio State had something similar happen to them in January and kind of again in February. But these are the teams they lost to. Number 10 at the time, Iowa. Number 6, Indiana. Unranked Purdue. So, all right, that's not terrible, but that's a Big Ten team. Um, tournament team. That was yeah, <laughs> tournament team. That was three losses in a row. Then they rattled off. Then they got a win over Wisconsin. Then lost to number 10, Ohio State. Got a win. Then lost to number 2, Indiana. Got two more wins, and then a two-point loss to number seven, Maryland. Um, so kind of a stretch, like something in the water stretch to finish the season, uh, going into February, and then March they did what they had to do. But like those are good teams they lost to that are teams that they were probably underdogs in all of those games. I don't think they were favored in any of those games. Maybe the Iowa one when they were number two and Iowa was ten, but maybe. Yeah, I mean, they're just, they're really good. Like, it's going to be a hard game, and I know some some Jamie fans have been like, if they play like they did against Texas State, it's like, if they shoot 75% from three, JMU could be fairly competitive in the game. That's a major ask for a team that shoots, like, 31% from three on the season. And not to, like, what? how would you quantify this if JMU was able to pull off the upset? What is a comparable... Like, is this like UConn losing when they were at the peak of their power? Would this be like taking down South Carolina? No, it wouldn't be that much, I don't think. I think okay. those teams are still like an echelon okay. where they're like dynasties. But it's still like a team that I think probably is like thinking Elite Eight Final Four, which in the women's game, when they're thinking that, usually you're like at least getting close or making a competitive push. Now, the draw is tough too because North Carolina, which has a really good women's team, Jamie, you saw them earlier in the year as a six, which I think is underseeded. So it could be North Carolina, Ohio State, or if you're Ohio State, you're probably pissed that you're playing a team of that caliber in the second round. But I don't know, like Ohio State's like a top 15, top 10 caliber team. That would be massive. It's a massive upset if they could do it. Yeah. Um, currently, the line is JMU plus 18 and a half. Oh, where's that? Where's that? Caesar's at? Caesar Sportsbook. They do have a line. Wow. Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Um, so Ohio State plus 18 and a half over under is 143. I would not be surprised if Ohio State got 80 of those. That would make sense math wise, right? It's like an 80 to 60 kind of kind of thing. Yeah. They, and they, I think the part that is like scariest is it's not like, a, oh, you know, they're a high octane offense, whatever. They run a full court press the entire yeah. game. Yeah, it's like havoc <laughs> defense from VCU, and I know I know it's kind of a no-no to like compare men's to women's, but that's just the whenever I see a full court press being done like for an entire game, my head just initially goes to like peak Shaka Smart VCU running the full court press. Um, so Jamie's going to have a lot of issues breaking that because they haven't seen a full court press a lot this season, and when they have, they struggled to break it. Yeah, it's like that's just a lot of a lot of pressure on a team to have a constant full court press. Like there aren't many teams that are psychotic enough to do that defensively. <laughs> like that's just a wild strategy to be like, we're gonna press all the time. Can I say something? If I was a coach, a basketball coach, I would do that though. I'm like in the offseason, I'd be like, We're just running wind sprints. We are you getting your deep. stamina up. And then just we're running full court press the entire season. 
because no one else sees that. No one else is stupid enough to do that. I appreciate that from the Buckeyes. And it's one where, like, when they play, like, some elite-level teams, they get smoked because they're breaking the – like, Iowa dropped 105 on them and beat them by 30 in the Big Ten title because they're breaking the press and scoring like it will. But when you're a team that's not able to do that and, like, there's no Sunbelt team that runs at you with, like, an insane top-level full-court press. I mean, they're they're 17th nationally in turnovers forced per game. They force over 20 turnovers per game. JMU has done a lot better this year thanks to Caroline Germond with not turning it over as much. But I think Jermond averages like 29 minutes a game. Like, are you running her for 40? No. So then, like, I don't know. They like her as the primary ball handler. Maybe Kiki does some stuff, but it's going to have to be a team effort. And your backup point guard, Chloe Sterling, has is, is played a decent amount early in the year, but really um, has only played double digits one time since the calendar turned to 2023. So here's a question. Who, if JMU manages to pull off this massive upset, I, I would you probably cannot find a money line for this game on any sports book. You can probably only bet which tells you it's a massive line. Um, who's the X factor for JMU to win outright? I think you're gonna need crazy performances from like the obvious two, Kiki and Peyton McDaniel scoring wise, but it'll probably end up being Jermont in terms yeah. of like leading the full court press break. Because if, if you get down early, it's going to be hard. And, and even if they're not turning it over a lot, like Ohio State has scores. Um, I guess the one weakness the Buckeyes have tends, seems to be like rebounding, where JMU sometimes does a pretty nice job. So maybe the Dukes can can rebound at an exceptionally high level. Um, but that seems like a pretty big ask. It's also hard to look at like a Big Ten team and be like, well, look, their rebounding numbers are a little bit of a letdown. It's like, well, would they look like that if they played, you know, 18 Sunbelt games? Probably not. Yeah, it's a great point vast difference in skill level between the big 10 and the Sun Belt. I, I feel like in the women's game that is even more pronounced as well the yeah. difference between high majors and then even the difference between the best teams in the high majors and the mid majors like South Carolina is on a different echelon of Tennessee <laughs> like South Carolina would 40 piece Tennessee if they played tomorrow it's like just not fair. Like just the difference in teams from the top to the top. It's a mile wide. It's the, wild. The, the difference between maybe this is maybe this is me doing hyperbole to get the point across. The difference between like JMU and the worst team in the Sun Belt isn't the difference between South Carolina and the second best team in the SEC. That's a hyperbole because it's not that drastic, but <laughs> trying to get my point across. It's still a huge, like the top level teams, there's a significant gap and it's, it's hard to be a double digit seed and win. And you kind of have to get to a point where like, it's a program tradition where I think is the exciting angle for JMU is like, if they can become like an NCAA tournament regular, but I was cracking up because I was looking at Florida Gulf coast and was talking to a writer for her hoop stats for a different thing that I was doing with work. Mm-hmm. about how they're like a possible Cinderella. I think Florida Gulf Coast and women's have made the tournament like every year he was saying since 2017 and their coach is like anti mid range. They've taken like 15 mid range jumpers the entire season, which is sweet. I appreciate JMU is very much not anti mid range, but, <laughs> but like this fun analytic based approach, their net is 36 and they're a 12 seed. Like, Six straight years making the NCAA tournament, 
analytically based net in the top 40 and they're a 12 seed. So it's like if you're JMU and you build like this monster program, like you're, you're still maybe looking like 12 seeds in, in a sweet 16 run. Whereas like if the men's team put together some crazy team, like it wouldn't be out of the question. They could have like a dark horse final four run. I'm not saying that's realistic, but you'll see mid majors. Like St. Pe- yeah, yeah. Peter's made the elite eight. Like they have no business doing that. The women's game, you're not going to have a 15 seed make the elite eight yes. in the same sense that you've never had a 14 seed even win a single game in the women's tournament. So, yeah, I see what you mean. There was a stat yeah. on ESPN the other day. I think 13, 14, 15, and 16 seeds are combined like one of 586. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, there's no chance. And then you look at uh, you look at like the tournament challenge, and you can click in. You showed me this the other day, and it shows you like the odds of winning, the odds of this, that. What? Who's who's got the edge? And it's ninety nine percent everything for the Buckeyes. Just insanity. Yeah, some of those, <laughs> some of that analysis. And then you look at notable results. <laughs> Ohio State has three lines worth. Then JMU's. North Carolina lost by 11, and you're like, ah, great. Which is also just disrespect, but whatever. It's so uh, is that, it? <laughs> I think you could put, like, some other games on there, but I guess well, is, is that the only, only tournament team they only include tournament teams. They're only tournament teams. Is that really the only tournament team they play? Yeah. That's a bummer. No one in the Sun Belt, and they're – I'm not – I don't think – Eastern Maryland Eastern Shores in the the bracket this year. I think they just missed out. Yeah, I guess none of those teams got in. <laughs> oh shucks! Man. I wonder why. That does suck. That really puts it in perspective, though. I know there's some JMU fans who are mad that like they didn't get a look in or much talk when the bracket was going by. It's like, they don't, I mean, they're not like. The, I I'm also not trying to throw shade at the the watch party. Awesome that JMU put that together and was really fantastic to see there was a, a solid yes. turnout. But then you see like what the look-ins actually look at like, and it's like a full section behind the team, and it just wasn't like I don't think ESPN wanted to feature them for thirty seconds while they were going through the bracket when they could feature like a twelve seed who was full. It's also like not it's also like, the first time. Sorry, <laughs> we don't deserve I, I, anything. I, that's kind of my thing. It's like I think JMU fans. This is more than women's basketball. I think because the women's basketball. I wouldn't say that like women's basketball fans are like, we deserve this more, more than like other JMU sports. But I, if you have most in football, but it's one where like, just kind of like earn it. You know what I mean? Like softball had all this like disrespect for years. You know how they're like very much respected now, even though they've had down years the last couple of years. Cause they made the women's college world series in one, two games. Like you want to earn respect and get like look-ins like, Go beat Ohio State then. Like, schedule a stronger non-conference. Beat North Carolina in the non-conference. Like, if you want to be discussed in bracketology or whatever when they're going through the bracket, don't be a 14 seed. It's the I know that some of that's out of their control, but it's it's a little don't lose to Maine. Yeah, like some of the right beat UNC. Like, I I see what you mean. Like, do it. Don't come. And it's not the women's team that's doing it. No, it was a little bit of the fans, but like. Even for the fans, you can't talk. We haven't made the tournament yeah. in seven years. And I think that's kind of the mindset for like, should be for every JMU program, like football or whatever, where it's like, oh, you know, we're not getting enough preseason love, which isn't really true. We're getting like probably too much. But like, <laughs> yeah, we're ranking them way too early top 25. And it's like, ah. But sometimes people get all upset. They're like, oh, it's like, well, just 
just go out and win the games that you need. Like the same with lacrosse. Like lacrosse is highly respected because they went out on a national level and just beat the crap out of people. That's kind of what you have to do. Well, that's a fantastic segue into lacrosse. They can't stop winning. Uh, I think they've rattled off five straight wins. Seven. Oh, I was slipping at the wheel on that one. Seven straight wins, and then their next slate of games hit me. Uh, they play Florida on Saturday, host them. Top 10 matchup. So they've taken down number five Maryland, 8-7, took down Ohio State, beat Liberty on the road 13-5, to and just took down number 23 Johns Hopkins, 17-10. to And next up is number eight Florida at home. Just an absolutely fantastic home schedule for lacrosse and then that will be their first aac game uh, as they welcome themselves in welcome themselves into the american first season for jmu uh, in the american athletic conference florida's in there and the uh, aac kind of conference schedule this season will be temple odu vanderbilt cincinnati and ecu uh, quite an interesting grouping in the american but i think what the american women's lacrosse kind of conference does is pull in like sec teams and just like random teams where the football conference doesn't have a lacrosse section yeah it's essentially like hey they care about women's lacrosse let's give it a go and just (laughs) all get together and make it work scheduling wise but they're playing darn well looking forward to that they already have the ohio state win maybe foreshadowing maybe the women's team can get it done maybe maybe some of the the people at ohio state say hey Want to visit Bridge Fourth and see what happens there? <laughs> I don't know. That was a funny. Know. That was a funny tweet you had. I mean, who knows? <laughs> the Big Ten may come calling if JMU keeps us within 15 points. We may be getting a call up in the next few days. Uh, Jeff Bourne gets a ring, 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 and hello. And this is the Big Ten. <laughs> uh, we saw what your women's team did in the NCAA tournament first round. We want to bring your entire athletic department into the Big Ten. I know we just brought in USC mm-hmm. and UCLA. We want to go by coastal. You know, I know we have Rutgers. I know we have Maryland, uh, but we want to extend into Virginia a little bit because we know Virginia is just as big as a media market as Los Angeles, specifically Harrisonburg and the Valley. So we want to get you guys on. We think it'll be really big for our media deal. And you'll get, uh, I don't know, one one hundredth of the one billion dollar contract we just signed. Does that sound all right, Jeff? That's they, how the call is going to go. They want Virginia, but they don't want UVA or Tech. Oh, no, not ODU, not Liberty, mm-hmm. screw them. I mean, not Bridgewater, not Shenandoah, uh, none of those ODAC schools, Sweetbriar, get them out of here. Uh, they want JMU and JMU only. That's exactly right. <laughs> no VCU. <laughs> none of those teams. No Mason. <laughs> I'm out of Virginia schools. No Radford. Okay, now I'm out. <laughs> That'd be crazy if Radford was like a basketball-only invite. Big Ten. That would change some stuff up. <laughs> yeah, it would. Uh, something else that's changing stuff up, the Diamond Dukes uh, baseball will start off. Hot start to the season, then lost that series to UMass Lowell. And then since the last time we recorded, they uh, took down VMI and VCU in really dominant games, gave us some hope, and then lost the USC Upstate Series, unfortunately. And then got a 14-6 to win against VCU. They're playing Lexington today. First pitch happened 47 minutes ago at the time of recording. And then we open up uh, conference play on Friday against Coastal. All hope for this team has gone out the window. 
<laughs> maybe that maybe that's maybe that's too aggressive. It's slightly dramatic, but it's it's probably true. No, I don't know. Ten and seven, and you look and like, look, they're doing some good work in the midweeks, but they played their last two series. They lost to UMass Lowell and South Carolina Upstate, and they had a chance to really bounce back against Upstate. I believe the two losses were both walk off losses, so that's that's kind of hard to to swallow. I don't think it's going to be a great season for them. We've both said that a lot. Look, I watched ODU this past weekend. Um, and JMU's not playing them until May 12th, so a long ways away. A lot can change between now and May 12th. And they beat up on Charlotte. <laughs> ODU was 12-1 and one going into that series. After losing the opening game of the year, they rattled off 12 straight wins. I watched ODU get boat race 10-2 in the Friday game. Mm. Charlotte, program record and strikeouts, blah, blah, blah. But the real story was the Saturday game. Against a pretty solid starter, not great, but a solid starter for Charlotte, absolutely demolished them. When ODU's on, that lineup is deadly. They hit some of the most home runs in the in the uh, nation. I think they have like near forty now on the year, um, so they can mash it. And they have pretty good pitchers. They have the Conference USA like freshman pitcher of the year, who started for them on Saturday and shut down Charlotte's lineup. And Charlotte and JMU, to me, are very similar teams. And ODU was picked seventh in the preseason coaches poll in the Sun Belt. That's the seventh best team. They got Southern Miss. Well. They got a lot of really good teams in the Sun Belt. Uh, it, it may get ugly. I think so. Softball, sort of a maybe a similar boat. We'll see here. They've got Duke tonight as we're recording on Wednesday. That's a ranked Duke team. Then they play Coastal, which has a very, very good record and a pretty solid uh, RPI or whatever they got for baseball, softball. It's going to be a challenge, yeah, folks. But, but at least softball's 13-5 and five and, like, has a winning record over these, like, last few invitationals. They've looked good. Alyssa Humphrey just threw a perfect game. Yep. So that's pretty darn cool. They're doing some good stuff. Uh, excited about that. Excited about their future and how they develop. They do have some young talent, so... Um, a little more bullish on their future than I was after like the first two games, but I still think it could be kind of a rocky season. <laughs> first two games. Yeah, the Sun Belt's good. Uh, but this is why we were so excited about joining the Sun Belt. Like, I know we sound mm -hmm. really negative, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we sound super <laughs> negative today. <laughs> but this is why we wanted to join it. We knew football would be good. They'd make that jump. We knew the basketballs were on the right trajectory. And I think, not to toot our own horns, but we've been kind of proven right. Uh, maybe we were actually a little bit too low on football. We thought it would take them a little longer for the yeah. for the jump, but here they are making waves. Basketball was in the was in contention for the men's to win the Sun Belt, um, and then the women's won it. They found their way to the NCAA tournament. That's exactly kind of what we expected, especially because the Sun Belt, in terms of basketball power, is like very similar to the CAA, or at least what the CAA was before they brought in all those terrible teams. Um, <laughs> I mean, they brought in Monmouth, who like finished here with like three wins. Even women's though, team, though, women's team was like the eight seed, and they won it. Cool. Kept like their best team out of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I was thinking about that for the Sun Belt. Like when Louisiana kind of got a good draw with Tennessee, miss with missing the guy Ziggler. Uh, but I was thinking about, it, I was like, I would so much rather have Marshall. In this if Marshall I have... playing Tennessee, I'd pay like yeah. I think teams in the Sun Belt would kill to have that. Like, man, that would they could have had a potential sweet six. I think with that Marshall team, 
They had the potential for a Sweet 16 run. And, man, the conference would love that money. And then I'm looking at Louisiana. I'm like, they could still beat Tennessee, but I watched JMU beat Louisiana. And now I'm supposed to expect mm-hmm. them to go in and beat a SEC school that, like, dominated Texas, which is <laughs> arguably one of the best teams in the nation. Yeah, fingers crossed. But going back to what I was saying, this is what we wanted. Like, with the Sun, yeah. it brings, like, fun baseball. It brings fun softball. Exactly. And as softball grows and they develop some of this talent, we're going to have some electric atmospheres at uh, Veterans Memorial Park. When was the last time you were interested in a softball conference series? Twenty, never. Yeah, it's like literally never. Now they're playing like this loaded coastal team on the road, and I'm like, oh, I'm interested to see like what happens this weekend. They're playing like they're going to be playing like ranked Texas State, potentially ranked Louisiana. Yeah, they got some good teams in the schedule. I'm I'm amped for it, and we can end here on a positive note. Got a listener question I forgot to get to that I think wraps up women's basketball on an extremely positive note. I love it. This is from Ryan JMU 2019. I'm going to go graduated in 2019. Well, his handle says 2018, which is throwing me off, but it's his class of 2018, but he got the handle with 2018. Wait, I thought so. you said his handle was 2019. Sorry, his handle is 2018, <laughs> but then his, his bio says JMU class. Wow, you messed that up in every – okay, okay, hit me with the <laughs> but then his his name, not his not his handle, says 2019. Ryan, hit us up afterwards and let us know. Give us some more some more clarity here. But he says, assuming the season comes to an end versus the Buckeyes on Saturday, probably fair or later, what expectations should we have next year for the women? Who are the starting five, depending on if Kiki returns or not? And then uh, ditto for the men. The men's probably too hard because of the, who they're going to add. I. I also appreciate the uh, assuming the season ends against the Buckeyes or later. Like that's a pretty good assumption that the season will end. Oh yeah, that's that's true. That's <laughs> like, true. Well, at some point, it's going to end. But I like adding in the later. I think that was nice. That was just that, kindness that was, there. Yeah, one hundred percent. We can both assume though it ends on Saturday. Um, if I, I have really high expectations for this team moving forward, I also expect Kiki to come back. I especially in this like age of NIL. And I know JMU hasn't gotten like really big into it, but she can capitalize on her name moving into next year. Um, I don't mean to be rude when I say this. I don't think she gets drafted by the WNBA at this point in time. So from my personal perspective, I don't see a reason for her to make that jump. Uh, She can stay at JMU, develop her game a little bit, get paid by NIL, and then go to the WNBA or even play overseas. We've seen Kamaya, uh, has been balling out, I think, in Italy for the last few years. Um, so expect Kiki to come back. And with that being said, probably Chloe Sterling slots in, starting point guard. Um, probably Kobe King Hawea at the two. I'm trying to think who else is. Depends how they do the. Uh, is Kozlova a senior? No, Kozlova's back. So she'll okay. probably be year five or whatever. Peyton. You is could just back. go kind of. Yeah, you could probably just go what? Peyton at the f- three, and then Kiki at the four. You could do that, yeah. Play sort of a smaller, more athletic lineup. Because I'm trying to think who else would be the three. This is great. I wonder. Players. I wonder how some of the the freshmen who didn't play a ton yeah. get in there. Whether it's Torre or Maya Kone, because they're super athletic. I wonder yeah. if they could yeah. could develop. And then Oderkirk and and Neff, assuming they. 
are both back will probably slot in for some. It's going to be pretty similar. Yeah, it's, like they're going to essentially run this team back. They're kind of running gonna... it back, and then maybe you try to bring in someone to replace Jermon. And if you have some of the younger players who who decide to leave or something like that, then you yeah. replace them. Maybe with transfers or something. But... And on the men's team, I think there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking. Yeah, a lot of transfers are probably going to be coming in. Uh, we'll probably see. I, I would expect. 90% of the freshmen to transfer out. Like that just seems like kind of been the MO the last I few years. I think they could keep Jamie. some of them. I, I'm just going off of what's happened the last few years. It feels like <laughs> every year, like they get in like three or four recruits that were like, they can be good in three years. And then I think these freshmen them. are better. So I actually okay. would not be surprised if the scholarship freshmen stayed. Like Roberson, I feel like has Yeah, a I think Roberson may be a starter next year. And then Brown played enough that I feel like he's yeah. coming back. And so then Bryce play enough. Did, did he play enough to get enough tape and leave? I don't think so. No. But then, maybe. But then, like, <laughs> Bryson, Bryson Blaine, I feel like he's got some potential as a wing. I'm in, I'm fascinated to see what they do in the portal because if they add a true big. There's plenty of them out there. Already <laughs> plenty of them out there. I'm, we're, we're not playing this weekend. Make some calls, Mark. Let's try and get a couple bigs on campus in the next two months. Um, is Friedel back? Yeah. Okay. They should be good next year, wouldn't they? Who's left? Who left? Vado and Tikal? So uh, Vado, Tikal, Sule, Meze. Meze, Meze. Sule, Sule, Meze, Vade, Mose. Meze, Tikal, Morse, and Sule are your, your guys who are leaving on scholarship, unless someone transfers out. But Okay, so definitely need a few big men because Sule and Meze – uh <laughs> we're like the big yeah you need big, you need bigs if they like, go at guard bigs. heavy again i there i might go to the aubc and start a picket line and just <laughs> just start there's, rioting there's a couple like transfer reports out there it's like it's like these six four guards like and they've been contacted by james madison i'm like mark <laughs> no <laughs> i let bring in tyler nickel the unc kid east rockingham kid bring him home bring, bring him, him home mark I mean, he's a, we'll give he's him a bag. Kind of a wing, but bring him home. We'll we'll give him the money we make from three notch if he wants to come and play. It'll be nil. He'll have to wear a JMU Sports News shooting sleeve. Uh, but other than that, we'll we'll require nothing from him. <laughs> so <laughs> what if we? Ooh, here's an idea. We crowdsource this. We get four of our favorite big man transfers, right? And then we put out a poll. Whoever wins the poll. We then give NIL money to to come to JMU. Is that allowed? <laughs> I don't think you can do it that obviously pay for play. <laughs> but I think under under the <laughs> under the table, uh, I think if we delete like the final five minutes of this podcast, I think we can make so it like a wink wink nudge nudge. Everyone sees yeah, the like, poll. Oh, like who this, would I you mean, want? Like God, wouldn't it be so marketable? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Tyler Nickel, we got a bag waiting for you. Five pennies <laughs> and a cookie. That'd be pretty sweet to uh, <laughs> to get someone on. I was so I was looking, filling up my bracket or whatever. Yeah, and talking to our friend Nick Lawrenson. Love and, Nick. Uh, Shout out Nick, mid major madness. He's going to the CBI. I out of all the college basketball happening, my man's. I think he's going don't... first. He's going to the NCAA tournament, and then he's going to the CBI. He's insane. Like, yeah, but um, no, Oral Roberts. Right, everyone knows him for for Ooh. the guard, Ace Miss, or whatever, who drops like twenty five a game. Yeah, he's really right. good and experienced. They made sweet 16. Yeah. Dude, they got an Arkansas transfer? He's 7'5", and he shoots Oral like, Roberts? 
Yeah, and he shoots. I thought like, it was Colgate. I think he's an Arkansas guy. And no, he no, shoots no, no. Like, I thought Colgate got the Arkansas transfer that seven five. That's Oral Roberts. That was maybe is there another one? I think Colgate <laughs> also. I think Colgate <laughs> also has a big man that can what, shoot. You know, what is going on? Okay, while you look that up, I'm just upset that Mark didn't go after that Oral Roberts big man. Who yeah, can and shoot. he shoot lights out from three. He has an incredible block percentage. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like, you're telling me he would rather play at Oral Roberts than Jay Harrisonburg, three notches in the area. The guy's already played, like, four years of college ball. No chance. That's all I'm saying. It's like, you give me a 7-5 guy. Now, this is what I want. You give me a 7-5 guy who's lethal from three. That seems doable. I feel like there's a lot of them out there. Okay, yeah, I, I mix it up. I've been telling everyone that Colgate had the 7-5 shooter, but it was Oral Roberts. Good to who have you been telling me? Like, <laughs> like four different store? people. Four different yeah, at the grocery <laughs> store, they're checking out. Boop, boop. Yeah, I think Colgate's the real Cinderella here, folks. They got a seven five kid who can shoot the three. Sir, your total's fourteen eighty two. His block percentage in conference play was thirteen point two percent. what is that? Like thirteen point two percent of possessions he's on the side he's blocking it? Is that right? <laughs> I don't know. That sounds right. That's insanity. And he shoots, well, I guess he's only 33% from three. But That's he's 7'5". And like, he's 65% from two. And he sh- shoots 81% from the free throw line. Like, that's oh a guy, if, even if you're shooting 25% and you average 1-3 a game. Yeah. Like, that forces people to come out on you and get out of the paint. And then it opens up so much of your, op- oh, let me stop. They have four players who play significant minutes with an offensive rating over 118. So are you telling me? Should, are you telling me that even though Oral Roberts is the trendy upset pick, I should pick Oral Roberts to take down Duke? I don't know if they're gonna win that game, but they also run the twenty seventh fastest pace in the country. So I don't want to hear anything about how JMU goes fast, or they have to be small. No, there's a seven five man <laughs> playing for Oral Bob, who is putting up <laughs> huge numbers. Playing for Blowjob Bob over there. <laughs> there's no reason that we can't go get some seven. I don't know. I'm not asking you almost eight. said seven eight. You almost <laughs> no. said eight. No reason we couldn't go out there and get Victor Wembenyama and let him just eat not, in the Sun Belt. I'm not asking for an eight footer, but if there's one out there with range, <laughs> that would change the Sun Belt. Honestly, not, I just want a Kevin Samuel. I, I'm not greedy. I just want a Kevin Samuel. I want a big body. Bring back Devell Phillips. If we don't have a guy who's six ten or above next year. And they can do this with by Jason Kreck rounding up Darrell Roberson's height to on the roster. I'm starting every podcast during basketball season, just mentioning that. But again, if you want to round Roberson up and say the Grossberg, that counts for me. Um, what about Johanny Dallenbear? He's got to have one more year of eligibility, right? Or like half a season? He's only six eight. Only six eight. He was a big body though. He was a big body. What about what about? Can we get Dwight Wilson back? Anything else you want to add as you freeze? No, I'm good. Just lamenting the fact that Dwight Wilson left. Well, Mark Byington, we really want a big. Please bring us one. We'll pay. We'll do it under the table. We won't make it obvious. We won't do Twitter polls if you don't want us to. So, for Bennett Conlin, <laughs> my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.